Welcome back to the Euctropolis podcast. I'm your host, James Hill. In this episode, I sit down with my good friend, Brad Bordessa, ukulele player and teacher. You might know him from his website, liveukulele.com. Brad and I go back many years, and I'm especially interested in his new online course called Hawaiian Songs for Ukulele because he seems to be charting new territory in terms of bringing traditional Hawaiian teaching methods into this connected online digital space that we all inhabit these days. I wanted to talk with Brad about this and many other things connected to music and ukulele. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Brad Bordessa. So you and I know each other from way back. Um, when I first met you, it was in Hawaii at Kioki Kamoku's, um, uh, now remind me what that thing was called. The Kahumoku Ohana Music and Lifestyle Workshop. How could I forget that? I think all Hawaiian workshops have names that are way too long. <laughs> <laughs> They're not even and Hawaiian names. <laughs> that's right. Wow, that, that is quite a mouthful. I'm not surprised I forgot exactly what the brand was. But when I met you there, you were a kid with a crazy dream. And now you are slightly older, still with a crazy dream. For For mm-hmm. people who don't, know you exactly can you give the like the short version of who is brad bordessa and um and why should we care yeah um well i'm a haole boy who ended up in hawaii uh, when i was 12 and picked up the ukulele started playing i started liveukulele.com when i was 13 or 14 thinking that it would get me riches and fame and pay for some of these workshop experiences so i could learn hawaiian music and how to play ukulele and then i ended up going to school in Maui at University of Hawaii and went through the music program there. And ever since I've been just working on the website, kind of developing as an ukulele educator and teaching more and more and pursuing performance side of ukulele kind of as a side project more so, which is feels a little bit healthier for me personally. Hmm. And it's it's been wonderful. Okay, so tell me a bit about that because I'm in somewhat the same boat as you. Uh, and and I think if you talk to any ukulele player, they're going to say their life is split between education and performance um, in some measure, right? Like that's the... And I don't think it's just ukulele players. I think if you talk to a random violinist in the symphony, they would probably also tell you that they pick up some teaching on the side and they do performing as well. For you, what is that blend have you found the 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 special blend that works for you not only uh, to fulfill you musically but also to pay the bills have you found that special uh, that special mix i think that i would like to be doing more performing but i also realized out of school and kind of after seeing how the gig world works a bit that i was already making more with just my one little ebook or whatever and and the website stuff i was doing so in, in that sense, the education was always the clear path of, and I, you've you talked to me about this, it was like, you know, the money's in education and that's how you're going to pay the bills. And I felt like the performance side of things was kind of just always mine to keep and enjoy. Hmm. And that if I could get away with not having to give that side of things away and hustle and, you know, cry myself to sleep at night trying to find <laughs> gigs and participate in that world that I would probably be happier and it would 
you know, I could continue the passion and the spark of playing music for fun. Mm -hmm. And so that that's become my balance is it's like very obviously that the education is on top and providing mm -hmm. and the performance is just for fun. Right. Yeah, that's that's I think pretty common and and certainly through the pandemic, you know, obviously that was right, true that. for just about everybody. Um but even for myself I find that the educational offerings bring a lot of stability to my, you know, just like everyday life. But, you know, I don't think it's a it's a you don't want to make the assumption that everybody is a frustrated performer. Like, I think that's unfair because some people find their calling in the educational side of it um, and they can perform if need be, but they would much rather be in front of a group or in front of a student helping them to find their musical path. Um, do you do you feel at all that you fall into that camp of like frustrated performer or, or somehow have you found a way, and maybe you already answered this, but have you found a way... How do you keep it f music for fun without slipping into this feeling that um, I, I, I'm I'm giving up on my performing dream? How do you how do you not slip into that? <laughs> I feel like Doctor Phil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I need this. I need the answer. Come on. <laughs> well, I think I realized early on that at least for the scene here where I live, I live in a super tiny town. There's almost no music scene. Certainly not. We're not getting the tourism that pays for, you know, good paying music jobs as far as gigging and playing at a restaurant or whatever. So from that side of things, I think I am a little bit jaded in that I've never seen the appreciation of what I do really come back in a way that it was like, you know, hmm. please welcome Brad Bordessa. <laughs> there was there was never I never saw that. So I realized kind of a handful of years ago that like, if I was going to continue to try and pursue the performance, that that's what I was going to end up feeling like all the time. Hmm. So I, I think by kind of letting it go and deciding like where I play is completely my choice. What I play is completely my choice. And really I'm not doing it for anybody else, just doing it for us and the people that mm -hmm. I play with, you know, we're, I think we've all kind of come to that conclusion and that we're all on that same page of just like, you know, we're, do, we're doing it because we enjoy it. And if you don't like it, maybe, you know, go check out another place where there's music. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, but, but in education, the, the value proposition, if I can call it that, is always very clear. Like, it is a service industry. Education is about how can I serve you? How can I yes. serve the student? What is it that you need? And let me try to provide that for you. Uh, whereas the performing side of things is always like, you know, please come and listen to me do my song because I need that from you. The uh, please is really hard for me. Yeah, right. It's, it's kind of, it feels more like an ask. Even though you are providing a service, you are making their life beautiful, perhaps you're articulating things that they want to articulate but can't find the words to. I mean, I think... I think that's a very powerful way that artists provide a service to the general public. Uh, you know, oh, I've always, 
yeah, I've always felt that, but I've never had the the words to d- express it. And that song just captures my sort of indescribable feeling or my indescribable emotion. Thank you for for crystallizing that for me. You know, if a performer reaches that level, I think they are providing a service, right? It's, it's a service industry. But until that level, <laughs> not really, <laughs> right? Uh, so I, I think, you know, and I'm talking about myself here as much as I'm talking about you because we both started very young in the teaching business. Mm-hmm. I think from a much earlier stage in education, you can provide a service, right? Like I yeah, thought, I mean, I, was, I felt I was an awful teacher when I started, and was, <laughs> but you know, see, but people were still still learning something. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, they got value. Right, and so that is sort of still where you find yourself. I I I like that you've found this way of um, sort of the education is for everyone else, and the and the performance is for you. <laughs> That's a you know, maybe that's a oversimplification, but you know, if if that's uh, if that's working for you, I mean, that's that's great. You have to find a path there. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think that that is a little bit simple because I do really enjoy the education part. I do enjoy like figuring out how to answer somebody's obscure question. Like, oh, I never mm-hmm. thought about that before. How do I explain that? For for me, that's the most rewarding part of education. But as far as artistry goes, I mean, how much artistry can you put in education? Because I heard. Well, that's um, a great question. Yeah. I heard Joe Satriani once in an interview say that you, as the teacher, your job is to provide the information with as little bias as possible. Hmm. You're just there to provide it. And that kind of always stuck with me, whether or not it's true. It was always an interesting thing to think about. It's like, okay, well, how can I explain it so it's accessible to the student yeah. without it necessarily reflecting? my biases or my opinion because they don't Mm -hmm. really need that that's not super important to them as long as they're not injuring themselves by playing some strange way Mm -hmm. it's all good right yeah but the question of how much artistry can there be in education like to me that's a super interesting question um can teaching be artful you know can it be done in an artful Mm -hmm. way and can it cross over into um kind of cross over into artistry. Like, for example, when I first started in the ukulele festival scene, um, pretty soon after I started, Victoria Vox started as well. And I remember her being a young songwriter going to um, ukulele festivals and she would do workshops because everybody had to do workshops. It was like, you know, if, you, if we're going to hire you, you better be able to play something at the concert and do two or three workshops on the weekend. That was the only way it made sense to bring a person to an event, right? I understand that. I've put together events myself. I understand the bottom line is kind of tricky. So you have to get everybody doing double duty. Well, Victoria hadn't done a whole lot of workshops. And um, so somebody said, well, why don't you, um, why don't you do a, a workshop uh, about songwriting? So she did that and it was great. But she only taught in her workshops her own songs. And she only uh, sang at jam sessions her own songs. And, and at first I was just like, oh, you can't do that. Like, <laughs> you just can't go around teaching your songs. You, you can't just go around playing your own songs in the kind of capilla. That is just too weird. And, and over time, I, I came to really respect her a, ability to blend her own artistry with her educational activities. And, you know, I think 
some of that influenced me even as far as like UKEDS, you know, uh, a project that really is halfway between artistry and education. Um, how, how do you see yourself now or in the future being able to bridge those two worlds? Or do you think they really just, you know, it's never the two shall meet? No, I think the two shall meet because even, even outside of maybe my my artist character, as it were, you know, we all have styles teaching, and I think that that really comes through with the teaching, and that's something that you know folks will choose a teacher that they kind of relate to in that sense, as far as the the presentation style, if you could consider mm. that artistry. Yeah. As far as my personal music and teaching, like I super envy the way that. Victoria has figured out how to bridge those two worlds because I've I've seen her teach workshops like that. And it's like ah, I don't know, and then she totally <laughs> pulls it off, and it's right. that much better because it's it's cool. It's her stuff. It's you know you feel very connected to what she's doing, and I don't. Mm-hmm. I just I mean certainly I don't have maybe the accessible songs like that, but mm-hmm. I also don't know if I don't know that that to me that feels like a little bit personal. Like, I don't, I don't know if I'm quite ready to share my own songs. <laughs> right, right. But that's so interesting too. I mean, because when you're when you're an educator, there is a kind of an arm's length thing, right? Like it, it's like I'm going to. This is all about the information. This is all about something that is external to both of us. This is not me. This is not you. This is this other thing, which is called a technique or which is called a chord progression or which is called a picking pattern or whatever. And, you know, like it's really not very personal. And, you know, I'm just sort of thinking this out loud for the, for the first time, but education has a way of being unintimidating in the sense that it's not going to, you know, scratch too far below the surface if, if you don't want it to. But you get up on stage and, and, you, and you sing a song that's a really personal song. You know, a lot of Victoria's songs are, are very personal and they're very poetic and they, and they really connect with people. That's almost like a dangerous situation. It's, it's, it's an emotionally dangerous thing to go to a performance um, because it is personal, you know. And I think that that is one big dividing line between the way I feel when I get up on stage and the way I feel when I go into the classroom, I, I, I feel like I'm bringing, uh, I, I feel like one is much more dangerous than the other. Um, and I don't know. How do you feel about that? Am, am I, no, I think am I right? personality type plays into it a lot too. Like for me, I'm a really quiet person. And when mm. I do get on stage, it's like, I've prepared myself to know that that's the moment to kind of let myself open and, you know, mm. share that intimate side. And when I'm teaching, I don't, I honestly don't think I would have the emotional energy to even pull it off if I was mm. like always open like that. I'm just not that kind of person. So I have to like, you know, be very selective of where I dole out my emotional <laughs> attachment moments. Right, right. And, and it's very easy to separate yourself when you are teaching somebody else's songs. Like, like you said, here's the technique. Here's how you bend the string. Here's how you do, do all these things that have nothing to do with my emotions they're just they're out there i can bring them down for you to learn but i'm not necessarily providing them from within me yeah yeah but i I think that it it has to do with personality i would think and i i don't really know victoria but it seems like she's got that energy enough maybe to carry it through in both ways i don't Mm -hmm. know right right so have you ever had sort of on that on that topic have you ever had a student who 
has had like a, an emotional, personal reaction to something that you've taught. Like here's a, you know, here's a C diminished seven chord and they just, you know, break down. <laughs> like, has that I ever happened? I don't think so. I've had no, it happen but... with like harmony singing, I think sometimes mm. when people harmonize with each other for the first time. Um, have you had it? Have you had that kind of reaction when, I mean, we can talk about your, uh, your latest course, which is all about Hawaiian songs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, okay. So when, when I've sung Hawaiian songs in the past and not known at all what I was singing about, I have still found them to be oftentimes very emotional. Right. What is going on there? Can you, <laughs> can you tell me what's happening with that? I mean, you There's, just put out this course. It's got all these Hawaiian songs, and you're teaching the language. You're teaching the melodies. You're teaching the. Why don't you just tell me about the course real quick? Well, yeah, I wanted to share these songs in a style similar to how I learned them, which is just by ear, by watching, by figuring it out. You know, trial by fire, and kind of bridge that with the Western world where we have transcriptions and whatever. So, if you're a beginner, we start out with just learning the melody and. There's a tab, and then we learn the chords and how to pronounce the Hawaiian words, and I kind of walk through some of the meaning, and that also is shown on the tab. But then, you know, as as a more intermediate or advanced player, I expect students to kind of, you know, solve some of the puzzle on their own. So there's no tab for the solo arrangement. You have to just I explain how it kind of pieces together and what I might play. And if they want to learn it exactly that way, they, you know, got to watch the video a couple of times to, you know, maybe rewind and see what is happening in one spot. Cause that's how I learned. And I wanted to be able to share that with, with people. So that's the general idea. There's five songs and each of them get the same treatment and walk through from kind of beginner to advanced and then piece it all together at the end as the solo arrangement. But as far as the magic of Hawaiian melodies, I just think that Hawaii is such a charged place as far as emotions and life experiences go and natural phenomenon you know we have the volcanoes just on the other side of the mountain and the ocean will you know somebody got eaten by a shark the other day it's like (laughs) it's a really intense place and so i think that a lot of that comes out in the hawaiian songwriting and especially folks who are really you know the old songs written by hawaiian people who had a background in hawaiian lifestyle in a very true way you know, they had that much more connection to that raw emotional power of being a person on this very intimidating landmass, hmm. you know, in the middle of the ocean, as mm-hmm. far from anywhere as any place. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> that's really that's, interesting. Yeah, that's to me, that's where it mostly comes from. And like you said, that kind of transcends the words. It's just the feeling. Yeah, because I've had many experiences. Like, I remember singing Pupu Hino Hino, and it was like, I really don't know what that, I still don't know what that song is about. Uh, and and just having this, like, welling up of emotion. And, and it's, like, it's really only got three chords, uh, and and the language is obviously, you know, very beautiful to sing. Uh, if you haven't sung Hawaiian, I definitely recommend you get into Brad's course because you know singing Hawaiian is a, a beautiful experience right because I mean it's, there is no other language 
that is so perfectly suited to singing. Yeah. <laughs> With all of those vowels and, you know, all vowels all the time. And um, it it just opens itself to melody in, in a way that's really, well, like you say, transcendental. And and I and I and I never really stopped to think of like why these melodies were affecting me in that way. But I think that's a really interesting idea. And um, have you then to go back to the original question? You know, has that happened to you with students? Have have you had students talk about this uh, sort of phenomenon of of, of connecting, sort of um, connecting intuitively with the music like that? Um, yeah, I mean, I cert- certainly with with the course, I've heard back from people that they've for the first time tried to kind of learn a song by ear, and I I took your advice, Brad, and I just I put the paper away. I didn't even download it. I didn't look at it, and I just tried to figure it out just from watching the video and listening. Mm. And it, you know, there's there's a number of people who have tried that, and it seems like it's been really rewarding for them. So that that to me is kind of the whole idea and the whole point mm-hmm. of putting something together like this is it's. To, to me, capturing Hawaiian music and being able to play Hawaiian music is to, you also have to understand kind of like how Hawaii rolls, as it were, you know, what, what the lifestyle is. And, you know, you and I were fortunate enough to go to Kiyoki's workshop and experience that firsthand and get a real crash course in, you know, the intensity of the place and of the people that it breeds, the, the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I think the only way to share that is to to teach folks in the style that, you know, that I I learned that kind of music and that most Hawaiian musicians learn that kind of music. You know, all the great people who are on the Slack Key compilation albums or, you know, playing ukulele for Kamaka or whoever these high-level players are in Hawaii, most of them learned just from jamming and, you know, just, here you go, here's an instrument, figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I think that that really breeds a lot of the Hawaiian sound is everybody's forced to figure out their own voice right off the bat. You don't get to copy anybody exactly, mm. only as good as your ear will allow you in that moment at your skill level. So, mm. Well, I, one of the things right away when I heard about your new, new course and I listened to your podcast outlining the new course, the thing that struck me more than anything was the bravery of it from a pedagogical point of view, because something that I have thought about for for a long time is is how the Hawaiian way of teaching and the Hawaiian way of learning <clears throat> is great, <laughs> so powerful, <laughs> and at the same time so incompatible with our modern lifestyle. And what I mean by that, if people aren't super familiar with what we're talking about here, I mean, is it fair to say that the Hawaiian style of learning is more based on sitting at the foot of the master, uh, you know, not asking too many questions or asking for too many handouts or looking for the tab sheet or whatever, but just kind of absorbing a lot. Uh, and for for that process to really work, the absorbing sort of osmosis, observation, individual figuring out for that to really work, and it does work, and it's profound, for that to really work, the main ingredient you need is time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the one ingredient that is in such short supply in, in our lives these days. We, we are busy. We make ourselves busy. 
we make ourselves think that we're busy. Um, we have an addiction almost to busyness. Mm-hmm. And uh, that does not leave time, either you know, literally doesn't leave time or certainly doesn't leave the sort of uh, impression that we have enough time to learn in this way. We're always looking for the quick fix. How can I learn this as quick, quick as possible? Can I just download the song sheet, print it off, put it under my pillow, and next day I'm going to know it? Uh, and if you wanted to, uh, you know... <laughs> If you wanted to appeal to the broadest possible uh, uh, base of ukulele learners, you would sell your course as a quick fix, as an instant, you know, win, uh, as a complete, um, complete and very easy, and this will make you a star overnight. And yet, you've done pretty much the exact opposite. <laughs> you have said, "Here is a way." that I can take the Hawaiian style of learning and as best as I can in this digital medium, I'm going, to, I'm going to bring that to the internet. I mean, I have not seen anybody else attempt that. Uh, and so I give you a, a lot of credit for, for, I think it's very innovative. I think it's a very important experiment. I hope it works. Me do you too. get? <laughs> do do you did you feel like you were really going out on a limb there? Is that something you really struggled with, and you sort of um, you you waxed and waned on it, or did you know right away that like if I'm going to teach Hawaiian music, this is the way I'm going to do it? I I pretty much felt like that was the way to do it, and I wasn't worried about it because it's a very specific thing. Most folks who are interested in Hawaiian music, they have at least a little bit of an appreciation of what it all comes with. And mm. so when when you frame it so they understand like, well, this is how I learned and this is the way most people learn, this is how you should learn as well. I think people are a little bit more open to it as opposed to, where's my handout? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just you just have to prime the expectations, I think. And I, and that's that's what I want to share with folks is like, yes, it's a different way of learning. Yes, it's probably harder kind of air quotes harder but in the long run i do think you tend to get even more out of it if you approach it with the right mindset because you learn all these skills that you don't really get to absorb if you're just reading right off the tab right you're learning to train your ear you're learning to think critically you're learning to present in your own way and kind of create your own artistry around music and that's you really kind of just blow by those things when you download the tab and just learn to play something note for note by the numbers. Mm-hmm. Well, it takes me back to my childhood, actually, because um, when I started playing, when I was eight or nine years old, um, we had a few friends in Hawaii, and they would send us, this is pre-internet, they would send us tapes in the mail. And that was the only way we got to hear Hawaiian music. And I remember getting some Ernie Cruz tapes. I remember getting the Cal Crater Boys tapes. Those were huge for me. And, and hearing Troy Fernandez play, you couldn't see what he was doing. And you couldn't skip tracks. You could just rewind, constantly rewinding, rewinding, rewinding. And you could only play it at full speed. And I learned so many of those licks and those songs from those tapes. And And here's the funny thing. Years later, I found out that I was playing in a different tuning. <laughs> now, I didn't know that there was C tuning and D tuning at that time. So I was listening to Troy Fernandez play all these hot licks in C tuning using all these open strings, right? And, and I'm doing, 
I'm trying to do the same licks with none of those open strings. I've got A, D, F sharp, B. And I'm thinking, how is he doing that? Doodly, 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 doodly. He must have, you know, 15 fingers. And and only only years later that I realized, you know, I had been learning them a whole step up with a completely different tuning. And I am extremely thankful for that experience, <laughs> you know, that I had to wrestle with that basically impossible task. And it was an audio only exercise. I just think it it gave me muscles that I didn't even know I had, you know, uh, in terms of figuring things out. And um, I will, I will say no matter how hard air quotes your Hawaiian ukulele course is, it's not as hard as figuring out Cow Crater Boy <laughs> solos in the wrong tuning. Uh, and so, so for those of you out there listening, wondering, Hmm, you know, is this thing for me? I, I think this is such a great, uh, way of doing things, it bridges the gap between, you know, the in-person uh, Hawaiian style teaching and our modern internet world. Uh, like I said, I haven't seen anybody else do it. I, I'm curious to to hear if you think it's going well. I know it's only been a few weeks. Do you think people in general are responding to this or is this something that you want to revisit in a year uh, when you've got more students, you know, gone through the program? I, I've noticed right off the bat that the engagement of students has been a little bit higher. I've heard more from folks and hmm. perhaps that's just, you know, my, my email funnels or whatever, you know, encouraging people to reach out and share their experiences. But I also think that, yeah, people are connecting with it and they're getting pushed a little bit more than maybe they're used to. And in that little bit of encouragement in one way or another, that they're they're discovering things and discovering things about themselves and finding a little bit more depth. Because one, one of my main things is to really encourage patience and grace with yourself as you're learning. Like, give yourself time. You don't need to learn this today. Mm-hmm. You don't need to learn it even in a month. Like, take your time so you really understand what's happening. And that's why I wanted to break the songs down in the way that I did. And I think that people are responding pretty well to that. And it feels like maybe they're getting more than they have in some of my other offerings that are mm-hmm. a little bit more like, here's the tab. Let's learn how to play the thing. Yeah. And, and you're, so asking them, sense, you're asking them to give more too. I mean, they're giving yeah. more of themselves and not surprisingly, they're getting more back. Right. Yeah. It's super cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm super happy that... Um, that I finished it and decided that that was the next project to do because, mm-hmm. you know, in our line of work, it's always, hmm, what am I going to try and tackle next and bring bring to the world? And I think that this is the right thing for the right time. And mm-hmm. if it's successful enough, you know, do another one at some point and share five more songs. Right. Um, speaking of which, what do you think is next? What, what's sort of on your radar like you say, in this line of work, you're always kind of got your ear to the ground. You're constantly making lists of things that you could do. Uh, <laughs> but so few of those things actually seem to make it into the world. What's on your radar at the moment, uh, musically or ukulele-wise? Uh, musically, just trying to kind of recover after COVID and get a band back together and just play more. It's It's been been great. We have been playing, but you know, just do more of that. But as far as teaching goes, I kind of go whichever way my frustration leans with teaching. (laughs) Tell me more about that. If I hear hear people like ask about something that's like 
maybe misguided or they've got the wrong impression about something. Hmm. That's where I'll tend to go to because it's obviously something people are not getting maybe, I don't want to say correct, but super relevant advice on or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so my next idea perhaps is to do a strumming course focused on the grid hmm. where you you lock your lock your strum to down, up, down, up, down, up, no matter what strumming pattern you're playing. Because so often right. people just, they do the robot thing and they hesitate and then all of a sudden they're playing backwards of, you know, the, the movement is backwards of the time. Mm-hmm. And so I've found in the past that teaching in-person workshops, that's been super helpful to people. So I thought I'd bring that to video and to the internet. Well, I have to say, you are a glutton for punishment. Because <laughs> that, you know, first of all, you tackle how to bring Hawaiian style teaching into the digital age, uh, which is, you know, like just, you know, climbing Mount Everest for lunch. And then you are talking about focusing on one of the most ephemeral and difficult to grasp concepts, it seems, in the ukulele world. I was just sort of daydreaming about this today. Um, cause I'm getting ready to go on tour again and I'm getting ready to do some workshops in person. And I was just daydreaming about how I would start with a, a workshop with people I'd never seen before. And in some cases we'll never see again. And, you know, it's not my favorite way of starting a workshop, but I was thinking if I stood up there and said, so, you know, we've only got an hour together. What is it that you guys want to learn? And I was imagining what responses I would get. <laughs> and I would imagine the responses would be something like, well, number one, we'd love to learn some strumming patterns. Uh, number two, we'd like to learn some finger picking. And number three, we'd like to learn how to uh, how better to play a song, uh, you know, learn a song by ear. And then I imagined myself pulling out this envelope from my inside pocket. It's a sealed envelope. <laughs> and I would pass it to somebody in the front row. And I'd say, just open that envelope. And they, it's like sealed, right? And so they, they, they tear it open. And they pull out this card. And it says three things on it. It says, number one, strumming patterns. Number two, um, finger picking. Number three, learn how to play a song by ear. And I would say to them, those are all the things that you want. Those are not the things you need. Those are all the things that you want. And, th- and then I'd pull out another sealed envelope <laughs> and it would just say, you know, need on the front. And I would open it and be like, here are the things that you need to get those things that you want. And how did I know you wanted those things? Because every ukulele player has more or less the same answer. Uh, to to what are the things that you think you want to learn. And right at the top of that list, I didn't even have to think about it, right at the top of that list is strumming patterns. Mm-hmm. You know, when you ask somebody, what do you want to learn today? Strumming patterns. And I'm always kind of baffled by that because I've always thought there's really only one strumming pattern. Yeah. It goes down, up. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's it. <laughs> so like how how is it that this concept seems so elusive i mean and how are you going to tackle that in the virtual space well i'll just break it down just like that there's one strumming pattern the (laughs) difference is that your hand always plays the strumming pattern whether or not you actually sound the strings is the other part of the equation and so that's where if you hear somebody play a strumming pattern and you think i want to learn that strumming pattern Mm -hmm. what you need to figure out 
is not what is the hand motion so much as what are the rhythmic emphasis moments that they are choosing to strike the strings with mm -hmm. to create the strumming pattern that you're hearing. Because like you said, there's really only one strumming pattern. And it's just down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up with eighth notes. And then from there, when you choose to miss the strings, that's when you start kind of throwing the rhythm feel around. But your hand makes the same motion, so you stay on time with the music. That's yeah. my approach, at least. Well, I think that's that's the right thing. It, I mean, Chalmers Stone does it slightly differently. He says you always strike the strings, but you accent the ones. Like, he's not actually... Mm -hmm. I, I We had this conversation years ago, and I was like, should I teach it by, you know, having them miss the strings or hit a muted chord for the negative space within the rhythm or something else. And he said he always has them lightly strum, but emphasize whatever the rhythmic beats are. So I, you know, I'll be very, I'm very curious to see how you tackle that because I think you're a very brave teacher. I think you have a lot of good ideas. Brave or stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with brave. And 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 you have a good command of of the online tools, you know, uh, that that can bring this into people's living rooms and their practice rooms and their in their, you know, bedrooms. And I we we have these tools. We have these kind of like classic um, difficulties, like these timeless misconceptions. And it sounds like you're on a mission to sort of like knock them down one by one, <laughs> which I love. I, yeah. I love that about what you're doing. And it's, it's really cool. Uh, so I wish you a lot of luck with that. Uh, it's going to be a lot of work, but you know, somebody's got to do it. Right. Well, thanks. <laughs> well, it's been fun catching up. And uh, yeah. we should do this more often. We should. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. And for those of you who want to follow you and get more of Brad Bordessa, how exactly do they do that? You can go to liveukulele.com. Go check out my resources there. Check out some of my courses or eBooks. And uh, please sign up for my newsletter. And check out the podcast. And check out the podcast, which is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Right on. Well, thanks so much, Brad. And... Uh, Rock on. Thanks for tuning in to the Euctropolis podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Brad Bordessa. Be sure to pay him a visit online at liveukulele.com. He's got a lot of great material there, including that new course we talked about, Hawaiian Songs for Ukulele. I'll be back again next week with another episode of the podcast. Until then, you can always find me over at euketropolis.com. Lots of free lessons, including some free lessons from the brand new course, Americana Ukulele. So head on over. I'll see you there. And until next week, keep on strumming. Keep on strumming.